Namaskaram. That was uh, Sadram singing uh, the sixth verse of uh, Arunachala Aksharam Malai, which is the verse I'm going to be talking about today. This verse is a verse all about uh, <coughs> Aro. Aro means grace. I'll explain in more detail after a little, in a little while. Um, this is a word that Bhagavan uses frequently throughout Aksharam Malai, and throughout our natural Stuti Pancham, all the five hymns, and um, and also in other works. This is a very, very central word in Bhagavan's teachings. Um, so uh, this verse that is all about Aral, about uh, grace, is a, well, every verse in Akshram is important in its own way. This is important because of Bhagavan is talking here about uh, grace, which is the central theme of uh, of Aksharam Lai, and indeed the central theme of his whole teachings, if we understand them correctly. Why does Bhagavan attach so much importance to grace? Um, before I begin to talk about this verse, I will talk a little bit about grace, because this is such, a, um, such an important... Uh, um, aspect of Bhagavan's teachings. That is, the essence of Bhagavan's teachings is um, the, the root of all problems is ego, and the solution to all problems is annihilation of ego. But annihilation of ego entails self-surrender. That is, ego, as ego, we must be willing to surrender ourselves, give ourselves up entirely, and face our own destruction. And in order to do so, we need to turn our entire attention back within, in order to uh, subside and merge back into the source from which we rose. But the very nature of ego is to go outward, to be constantly grasping things other than itself. So this path that Bhagavan has taught us, this is going directly against the nature of ego. We are swimming against the current, so to speak. But though we are going against the nature of ego, we are restoring our own real nature, because our own real nature is not to go outwards, our own real nature is just to be. So, in order to just be as we actually are, we need all-consuming love. We must have greater love just to be as we are than we have for any other thing. It is our love for other things that takes our mind outwards. Since the very nature of ego is to go outwards, um, ego will be, by its own strength, cannot turn within. It's against the nature of ego. So 
a power greater than us as ego is required. That power is not a power that comes from outside ourselves because there is nothing outside ourselves. That is, we alone are what actually exists. Um, in, the difference between inside and outside is uh, seems to be real only when we rise as ego. When we remain as we actually are, we are beyond all such pairs of opposites, such as uh, inside and outside, existence and non-existence, awareness and non-awareness, happiness and unhappiness. We are beyond all dualities, all pairs of opposites. Um, so our real nature is just to be as we actually are. But when we rise as ego, our nature is to go outwards. And our nature is to constantly seek happiness in things other than ourselves. So a power greater than ego is needed to turn us within. That power greater than ego is the power of love. That love, as I say, it is not something that comes from outside ourselves. Love is our own real nature. That is, as we actually are, when we remain as we actually are, we have infinite love for ourselves as we actually are. So the love that we as we actually are have for ourselves as we actually are is what is we experience as grace. What we actually are is Arunachala or Bhagavan. That is what, what Bhagavan is referring to as Arunachala in, uh, in these songs is nothing but our own real nature, Atmasarupa. So the, the love that we as we actually are, have for ourselves as we actually are, is what we experience as the grace of Arunachala. And the grace of Arunachala is the infinite love that he has for us. But in the view of Arunachala, we Arunachala is the one infinite whole, so he never sees us as anything other than himself. So he loves us as himself. So his love is not love for another, but love for himself. Um, so uh, the love that he has for us as himself is what um, sows the seed of love in our heart, the seed of love to turn back within. So it is only, um, there's a beautiful line in, well, there are many beautiful lines in one of the, one of the most important songs in uh, Tiruvasakam, the, the collection of songs by Manakravasaka. The song that comes first is Shiva Puranam. And uh, one, in one line of Shiva Puranam, uh, Manika Vasaka sings, Abhanaralale Abhantal Vanangi. That means uh, worshipping him by his grace. So even to worship him, even to have love for Bhagavan, even to surrender ourselves to Bhagavan, even to try to turn within, we need love. And that love comes only from him because he is the infinite ocean of love. So whatever love we have, whatever love we see manifest in any form in this world is just a poor reflection of infinite love that he has for us as himself. So that love that he has for himself is what we experience as grace. And that grace is all important. As Bhagavan says in the final uh, verse of uh, the song Amavide, he the last uh, three uh, sentences are Arulam Vename. That means grace is also necessary. Uh, 
Ambupunamai. That literally means uh, be adorned with love. That means have love. Because the, that is the, the fruit of grace is love. And the fruit of love is grace. That is, the, whatever love we have comes only, uh, is planted in our heart, is a seed planted in our heart by his grace. And the more we have love for his grace, the more we, his grace, uh, as he says in, uh, in so many verses, takes us as a tone, takes possession of us, takes, takes full charge of us. So, um, but grace and and love are inseparable. His grace isn't necessary. Our love is necessary. But our love, the, the cause of our love is his grace. So, he's, as I say, in these last three, three clauses of the final verse of uh, Amma Vidya, Bhagavan says, Aralambhename, grace is also necessary. Ambupuname, be adorned with love. Imbutoname, happiness will, uh, will appear. So the fruit of the grace that he has for us and the fruit of the resultant love that we have for, for him is, is imbu, infinite happiness, because happiness and great and love are inseparable. Um, as Bhagavan says in the first uh, paragraph of Nana, Priyataku um, uh, uh, um, Sukhame uh, since uh, since um, since happiness alone is the cause of love, that is, we love whatever gives us happiness. Our real nature is infinite happiness. So we have we we have all we have uh, our greatest love is for ourselves. But so long as we rise as ego, we we limit ourselves, we take ourselves to be this little person whom we now mistake ourselves to be. And so we have so much love for this person, but that is not true self-love because this person is not what we are. True self-love, the self-love that Bhagavan taught us, the self-love that Bhagavan is, 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 the Bhagavan's grace will arouse in our heart, that is love for our being, love for ourself as we actually are. And that love can come only by his grace. So whatever, whatever spiritual practice we may do, whether we do puja or japa or dhyana or, um, or self-investigation, the key to any spiritual practice is love. And that love comes only by his grace. So as Manika Vasika sang, Avunarulale Avuntalbanangi. If at all we have any we we, we worship in, in any way, whether by uh, whether by body doing puja, whether by speech doing japa, whether by mind doing meditation, or whether by complete surrender by turning our attention within, it's all only by his grace. So Bhagavan often used to say, grace is the beginning, the middle, and the end. That is, it's, it's grace but um but uh but draws us to this path. It is grace but guides us and leads us along this path and it gives us the love to persevere in following this path. And eventually it is grace that will swallow us. Um, so it, it is all grace. Though Bhagavan said in that last verse of Amavide, Arulum Veiname, that means grace is also necessary or even grace is necessary. That is 
uh, a typical un understatement. Bhagavan often understates things, but actually it means but the 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 in the the word the literal meaning of the word grace is also necessary. The the implied meaning is as we learn from Akram Lai and so many other works of Bhagavan, the implied meaning is grace is all important. Without grace, we are nowhere. Grace is uh, absolutely essential on this path. So <clears throat> generally, people take this path of self-investigation that Bhagavan taught us to be the path of jnana. Yes, it is. It, this is the true path of jnana, but it's also the true path of bhakti. That is the highest bhakti is to turn our attention within and thereby surrender ourselves completely. As Bhagavan said in verse 8 of, uh, uh, of Upadesha Undia, Rabhavan Anya Baba, Anya Baba means um, Baba, in that context, we can take meditation, we can also take it as devotion or a devotional attitude. Anya means what is other. So in this context, Anya Baba means meditation on God as, or having love for God as if he's something other than ourselves. Rather than that Anya Baba, Ananya Baba, in which he is I, is anatinum utamum, that is best among all. So this is the, 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 Ananya Baba means meditation on what is not other than ourselves. When we understand that God is that which is shining in our heart as I, but he is nothing other than I, and we are nothing other than him, what do we meditate on? We meditate only on I, on ourself. So this, uh, what Bhagavan describes there as Ananya Baba, is this practice of self-investigation. And this is the supreme devotion. As he indicates in the next verse, uh, verse 9 of Upadesha India, he says, by the strength of such meditation, uh, that implied by the strength of that Ananya Baba, by the strength of self-attentiveness, being in Sat Baba, the state of being, that is Bhavanatita, that is, it transcends all mental activity. So it's meditation without mental activity. That is, any meditation is a mental activity. But this is meditation without mental activity, because when we turn our attention within, the, the nature of ego is to rise, stand, and flourish by facing outwards and to subside and dissolve back into its source by facing inward. So by turning within, by the intensity of our self-attentiveness, we remain in Sat Baba. And Bhagavan says, that is Parabhakti Tattva. That is the nature of supreme devotion. So Bhagavan's path is the path of supreme devotion. Um, so this that is why this Akshram, like the other songs of Aranatya Stuti Panchakam, are so important. Nobody can understand Bhagavan completely and fully without understanding these five hymns. They are so, so important. And the central theme throughout these five hymns is the, is the need for grace. So that, that is, this is a song of grace, a song of love. Grace is the love that Bhagavan has for us as himself, uh, which, gives, which is what gives us love for him. So this song is all about uh, love, all about grace. Um, so that little pre preamble is just to introduce the, what the central topic of this verse, which is grace.
what Bhagavan says in this verse is, Indridam anail peri daral puribo, iduvo unadaral aranachala. That means, Aranachala, you who bestow uh, grace or kindness greater than the mother who gave birth, is this your kindness or your grace? Um, the, the word he uses there, but I've translated kindness is, is Arul, because Arul, the, the, the principal meaning of Arul is grace. But we don't generally in English talk about a mother having grace, showing grace for the child. A mother shows kindness, love, compassion, and so on. So that's why I translated Arul as kindness in this context. But it means um, that's obviously that's an inadequate translation, but it's just for the context. In the context, I translate it in that way. It needs it means a lot more than that. Um, so this verse. The first line of this verse, Indridam Anail Peridaru Puribo, is a vocative clause. It's addressing Aranachala. And the main clause is Iduvo Unadaro, uh, which has two meanings, as I will explain later. It can mean either uh, ah, such is your grace, or it can mean is such is this your grace? Is this all your grace? Um I'll, I'll explain all that later. Um so the, the the first clause, the vocative clause, indridam anail peridaru puribo. Uh, indridam means birth giving or who gave birth. It's an adjectival participle from formed from the verb in, which means to give birth or bring forth or bring into being or produce. Uh, and anne means mother. So indridam anne means the mother who gave birth. In other words, one's own birth mother, biological mother, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he, uh, that uh, Anne, as I say, means mother. Anneil is a locative case form of Anne. Um, but the locative is here used, as it is often used in Tamil, in a comparative sense. So it means in comparison to the love of a mother or than the love of a mother. So indridam uh, and nail means than the love of a mother. Uh, sorry, sorry, that than one's own mother, than that one's uh, birth mother, than the mother who gave birth to one. Um, peridu is a noun that means what is great, large, abundant, or excellent. But here, as is often the case in Tamil, the noun is used as an adjective. And here it's used as an adjective in a comparative sense because it comes just after the locative case form used in a comparative sense. So, indridum uh, anneil uh, peridu uh, means greater than a mother. What is greater than a mother? The next word is this key word, arrow. Uh, which, as I say, it's a, this is a, a word that Bhagavan frequently uses throughout Aksharam Lai and also all the five hymns, and also in other works, as in such as the, the last verse of um, Bide that I referred to earlier. Arul is both a noun and a verb. Um, it, uh, in this, uh, Bhagavan uses it in in both senses. In, um, I mean, sometimes he's using it as a verb, sometimes he's using it as a noun. In this particular case, he uses this word twice in this verse, and both cases it's a noun. 
Um, Arul is as a noun, it uh, means more or less the same as the Sanskrit terms uh, karana. Uh, karana means uh, compassion, grace, um, uh, kindness. Kripa is another word that means much the same. Anugraha is also a Sanskrit word that means the same as Arul. Anugraha is a particularly uh, interesting word because Anu means after and Graha means grasping. So what is implied by Anugraha is that God comes after us to grab us. If a small child is, um, uh, is playing and is in danger, for instance, maybe the child is playing and begins to walk out into the middle of the street, or maybe they walk near a fire or near a, uh, a cliff edge or something, just that the, the mother will run after and, and grasp the child. Um, in the same way, God, when we rise as ego, it becomes God's task, it becomes a task of Bhagavan, of Arunachala, to run after us and grasp us. So that is anugraha. So that uh, that Sanskrit word for meaning grace has a, that, that is, as I say, there are a number of words in Sanskrit that mean grace, but anugraha has that particular connotation. So arul is, has the same, it means the same as karana, kripa, or anugraha. Um, that is, it means kindness, tenderness, solicitude, compassion, benevolence, pity, mercy. Um, particularly, it means divine grace or divine blessing. Um, <clears throat> but the next word is uh, purivo. Puri is a verb that means to do, make, or give. Um, and purivoi is a, a second-person uh, composite noun formed from that. So it means you who do, or you who make, or you who produce. Um, Arul Puri means to, to make grace, or do grace, or in English we say we talk about giving grace or bestowing grace, so we can take it as uh, bestow grace, uh, well, bestow kindness, tenderness, compassion, or love. So Arul Puribo means you who bestow kindness or grace. So the meaning of this first clause is, uh, Bhagavan is addressing Arunachya and says, you who bestow kindness greater than the mother who gave birth. That is, you show more kindness, more love than the mother who gave birth. Um why does Bhagavan make this comparison? Obviously, Arunachala's arrow, kindness, tenderness, solicitude, compassion, love, or grace, is infinite and free of even the least imperfection, whereas a mother's love is finite and flawed. Um, so, obviously, Arunachala's arrow is infinitely greater than the, than the love of any mother. But why does Bhagavan use, uh, make this comparison then when his grace is so incomparably greater than any worldly love? Why does he make this, compar this, compar this comparison? The reason is he, he does so to illustrate the greatness of, of, of grace because um, though the love of a mother is obviously um, 
uh, finite and uh, flawed in so many ways, of all the kinds of love we see in the world, the love of a mother for her own child is generally the most perfect and unconditional. So it's um, it, it's more perfect, relatively speaking, it's more perfect and unconditional than uh, the, the love we can get from any other person in the world. Um, <clears throat> and Bhagavan doesn't just say whose love is greater than a mother, because the term mother can refer to various kinds of mother, such as a stepmother, an adoptive mother, um, a foster mother, and so on. So Bhagavan specifies Indri Devanayal, the birth-giving mother, or the mother who gave birth, because there's a special bond between the between a birth mother and her child. So as a general rule, the love of such a mother for her child is stronger and more unconditional than that of any other kind of mother. Um, to illustrate this, uh, uh, the sense in which Bhagavan makes this comparison of comparing the, the infinite arul of, of the infinite grace of Arunachala to the finite love of a mother, Sadhom used to uh, uh, illustrate this with an analogy. On a dark night, the dim light of the, of the stars is a welcome respite from the pitch darkness that would otherwise envelop us. Some, sometimes at night, um, nowadays we very seldom see darkness because we all, most of us live in cities with street lights and so on. But if you go to a remote place, in the in the darkness, they, it is complete pitch dark unless there, there's some light in the sky. If it's say a a dark, if there's no moon in the uh, sky, and if it's a dark cloudy night, it'll be it'll be complete pitch darkness. Um, so the, the the faint light of stars, if it, if the clouds are removed and you see the faint light of stars, that gives at least some illumination. So that the, the starlight is a welcome respite from the pitch darkness that would otherwise surround us. But if the sun moon then rises, the the um, the the darkness of I mean the, the light of the uh, stars is uh, swallowed in in the brightness of uh, um, moonlight. That is, stars that can be seen clearly in the sky in the absence of the moon. But when the moon rises, at least in the area of the sky where the moon is there, we, we see very few stars, maybe just one or two bright stars, but the other stars are completely uh, hidden by the, the, the brightness of the moonlight. So the moonlight is uh, is uh, so much greater than the starlight. But if the sun then rises, the light of a moon is swallowed by the clear uh, sunlight, um, which because the sunlight is so bright, it swallows all other lights in its brightness. So Sadram gave that analogy and said, like likewise, in the darkness of samsara, the kindness and love of friends and relatives, and even strangers. Sometimes we, we, we experience kindness and love from complete strangers. So that is a welcome respite from the selfishness, greed, heartlessness, and cruelty we see all around us in this world. That there's no, there's no shortage of, of selfishness or greed or 
um, heartlessness or cruelty in this world. But um, so whatever little love or kindness or even a smile we, we, we receive from either from a friend or a relative or sometimes even from a complete stranger is a welcome respite. Um, but whatever uh, kindness and love we receive from others, it pales in, into insignificance compared to the kindness and love that uh, a mother shows towards her own ch child. <clears throat> However, when we are, uh, uh, because it's just, it's natural for a mother to have so much love for her child. Uh, the child doesn't do anything to deserve the love of a mother. It's the mother, by her very nature, she she has love uh, for her child, as a general rule. Of course, there are always exceptions in this world, but as a general rule. Um, however, when we are blessed to experience the supreme kindness and love of our natural, in comparison to it, even the kindness and love or, uh, of our own mother, but what our own mother showed us when we were a child, is found to be trivial. So. Um, in this analogy, the love of others is like the, 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 the starlight. The love of the mother is like moonlight. The love of our natural is like the sunlight. It swallows all other, and everything else pales into insignificance. The stars and the moon all disappear when the sun appears. Um, or even if the moon can still be uh, faintly see it, it is of no significance in the so our natural love is infinitely greater than the love of a mother um <clears throat> no matter how great a birth mother's love for her child may be it has its own shortcomings and limitations for example though a mother may give so so much care and attention to her child while she's awake sooner or later she's going to be overcome with tiredness. And when she's overcome with tiredness, she will want nothing more than to sleep. And of course, when she sleeps, she forgets all about her child. Our natural, on the other hand, is eternally awake in our heart as pure awareness. And therefore, he never forgets us. So he's always lovingly taking care of us, whether we remember him or not. He is our divine mother, the source from which we have been born as ego and into which we must eventually merge back. And he is not only our source, but also our substance, meaning that he is what we actually are. So he can never leave us. And hence, unlike the mother of our body, who is separated from us daily in sleep and who will be separated from us permanently when either her body or our body dies, and who can therefore be a mother to us only temporarily, he can never be separated from us. So he is our real and eternal mother. Um, his love for us is not constrained by any conditions, whereas the love of a birth mother is constrained by so many conditions. For example, some circumstances may sometimes force a mother to abandon her child, whether by giving it for adoption or in any other way. So even though she, uh, she may continue to love her child, she cannot give it the care and attention that is due to it. Moreover, um, 
Poverty may uh, also cause a mother to neglect her child because she may be so busy working to provide food and other necessities for herself and her child, but she's not able to uh, uh, give it sufficient care and attention. And even if a mother is able to give uh, uh, full care and attention to her child, so long as it is still love, young, her love for it may later diminish or cease entirely if in later life her child neglects her or if they turn against each other for any reason. That We see so many examples of um, children falling out with their parents, parents falling out with the children, and um, sometimes children may not speak to their mother for years or for the rest of their life. Or a mother may not speak to her child. So all these are these are all natural. Um, the great love that the mother had for the child when the child was small, circumstances may uh, lead to the waning of that love. On the other hand, but whereas in the case of Aranachula, no circumstances can ever force Aranachula to neglect or abandon us. And no matter how much we may deviate from a path of love and righteousness, he will never reject us, and his love for us will never diminish, even to the slightest extent. That is, Bhagavan loves us all equally, even the greatest uh, sinners. Um, in this world, even the most evil people, he loves every bit as much as he loves us. Why? Because he doesn't see any of us as other than himself. He doesn't see the sinner as a sinner. He sees the sinner as himself, and he loves the sinner as himself. He doesn't see the saint as a saint. He sees the saint as himself, and he loves the saint as himself. So his love is equal to all. If a mother has several children, she may be more fond of one or some of them than others. For example, some mothers are particularly fond of their sons and therefore give more care and attention to their sons than they give their daughters. Whereas other mothers may feel more affinity with their daughters and therefore give them more love and attention. And sometimes mothers just prefer one child to another child, irrespective of the gender. Um, So uh, it it is very difficult for us as human beings not to be partial. So even mothers uh, uh, tend to be partial to one child or another. For a mother to have equal love for all her children, is um, it it just doesn't happen. Maybe when they're small, she has equal love for all of them. But as they grow up and their different personalities emerge, the mother will naturally have more, feel more affinity with some of them, more have more uh, natural affinity and love for some of them than for, for others. That is just the way of the world. Our natural, on the other hand, is never guilty of such partiality because he, his, he has unlimited and therefore equal love for all of us, since in his view, none of us are other than himself. The reason why the love of a mother for her child is imperfect is because it is anya ambu. Ambu is a Tamil word that means uh, love. Anya is a Sanskrit word, word that means other. So anya ambu means love for another. 
Whereas the love of our anachala is perfect in any in every respect because it is ananya bhavambu. Ananya means what is not other. So Arunachala love for us is not love for something other than himself. It is love for us as himself. Um, because he is the one infinite and indivisible whole above which nothing exists. So in his clear view, nothing is other than himself. And hence he loves each and every one of us as himself. He does not merely have love for us as himself and consequently uh, for us as himself because he is love itself. Um, so there's no such thing as love other than himself. And hence the love of a mother for her child and all other forms of love that we see in this world are just poor reflections of the one infinite love that is himself. In fact, there is no love other than the love of our nature. So whatever love we see in this world, as I say, it's just a, 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 a poor sample of the, the infinite love that our natural, that is our natural. Our natural is, is love itself. His love for us is therefore his very nature. So as soon as we first rose as ego, his love began working in the form of grace. Grace is the power of love that draws us back to merge eventually in him. So that power of his grace started working from the very moment that we rose as ego. That is, as I explained earlier when talking about the Sanskrit word anugraha, as soon as we rise, he has to come running after us to protect us and to, to protect us from ourselves. So he's always coming after us and taking hold of us and uh, protecting us from danger, protecting us from uh, uh, guiding us on the right path. We may often ignore his guidance and go in the wrong direction, but he he will never abandon us. He's always taking care of us, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, so his grace works primarily from within our heart gently pulling our mind back within. But because we are so strongly inclined to face outwards, away from him, his grace also works from outside in so many ways to gently push us back within. This is something Bhagavan often used to say. Grace pulls from within and pushes from outside. Um, so it, it, the view of Bhagavan, everything is grace. So um, one of... Uh, one of the ways in which Aranachala uh, pushes us from outside is it is his grace but a lot the fruit of our karmas. And it does so in such a way that it will be most conducive to our spiritual development. So since everything we experience is the fruit of our past karmas, our entire life is shaped by his grace. He is therefore taking care of every minute detail, both of our internal and external life, with far greater love and solicitude than our um, finite mind can ever comprehend or adequately appreciate. Um, that reminds me, in, in Maharshi's Gospel, in one place, um, someone asks Bhagavan a question, and he says, if you are seeking God, Rest assured 
but he is seeking you with a solicitude far greater than you can ever imagine. So he has so much grace, so much love for us. He has more love for us than we have for ourselves, because our love for ourselves is 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 distorted by our ignorance, by our mistaking ourselves to be this person. Our love for ourselves becomes love for this person. That is not true self-love. Whereas Bhagavan has love for us as we actually are. So Bhagavan's love. Bhagavan's solicitude for us is infinitely greater, even than the love that we have for ourselves. Um, <clears throat> when her children grow up, a birth mother will generally desire to have uh, grandchildren. And if she has enjoyed a happily married life, insofar as any life as an embodied being can be happy, she will generally desire a similar life for her children. So most birth mothers are eager to see their children marry and have children. In the case of Bhagavan, however, his divine mother and father, Arunachala, never had any such desire for him. On the contrary, the sole intention of Arunachala was to save uh, Bhagavan from drowning in the deep ocean of the worldly maya of being a mother or father. Not only from that Maya, but from the root cause of that Maya, namely ego, the false awareness, I am this body. That is why it is Bhagavan in verse, I'm just about to refer to it, in verse 9 of Arunachal Navamanimalai, why does uh, Bhagavan refer to being a mother or father as a great Maya? Being a mother or father is a Maya because we can be a mother or father only if we identify ourselves with the body. If we identify ourselves with a body, then we feel I am a I am a, a mother or I am a father. If we don't identify ourselves with a body, how can we feel ourselves to be mother or father? And so long as we identify ourselves as I am this body, whether we uh, ha happen to be a mother or father or happen to be um, have no children, we we still. Uh, we are still caught in that Mahamaya of taking, of that Mahi, Mahimaya means worldly Maya, of taking ourselves to be a body. So um, this is uh, the, this uh, what I said just now, that the sole intention of Arunachal was to save Bhagavan from drowning in the deep ocean of, uh, not only from drowning in the deep ocean of the worldly Maya of being a mother of and father, but also from the root cause of that Maya, uh, namely ego. Uh, this is what Bhagavan implies in a verse, the final verse of Arunachal Nabamani Malai, um, verse 9. Um, what he says in this verse is, Ammayam appanam ayine bhumil akialitu. Um, that means, um, bearing and tending me in the world as mother and father. That is, Bhagavan sees his own mother and father as Arunachala. In the form of his mother and father, Arunachala uh, bore him and tended to him when he was a child. And Ammahi Maye en kadal vintidum andidumun. Before I sank, falling in the deep ocean, namely that worldly Maya, 
Here, that worldly Maya refers to the Maya of being a mother or father. Um, but it also, by implication, it implies the, 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 the Maya of taking a body to be I. Uh, so before I, uh, I sank falling in that uh, deep ocean, um, uh, entering my mind and drawing umpadatil irutaneal you fixed at your feet that means you fix me at your feet padatil uh, can also mean in your state so you fix me at your feet or you fix me in your state so entering my mind and drawing me to you as he says in um, in verse three of Akram Lai, "Aham buhen dietun, aham guhe suriai, amabita dengol aranachla." Entering my heart, um, my or my home, and uh, and dragging me, dragging me out, you kept me a prisoner in the cave of your heart. In the cave of your heart means in your own state, um, at your feet, as he says here. And then he ends that this verse nine by saying, "Chinmaya nam Arunachala, Arunachala who are chinmayan. Chinmayan means one who is composed of pure awareness. Ninnarol chittiramene, uh, what a wonder of your grace. That is, Arunachala's aim is not to let us fall in this maya, this samsara, but to." Uh, to before we fall in it, he will come and grab us and uh, and save us from falling into this mire. Um, so, uh, 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 unlike the, the worldly mother who would like her children to fall into the same mire and have children and have grandchildren and so on and so on, to generation after generation, um, this is the desire of worldly parents. Our natural love for us is far greater than the love of a worldly mother. So as our true mother, he doesn't want us to fall in this great mire of taking a body to be I and consequently uh, uh, being a, ma father or ma a mother or father to children. He wants to save us from this mire of Dehatma Buddhi, the false identification, I am this body. Um <clears throat> So to save uh, Bhagavan from this worldly maya and its root cause, namely ego, from his earliest childhood, even before he knew anything else, Arunachala entered and occupied his mind, as he says in this verse, en mana manni, entering my mind. Uh, um, entering my mind means not only entering it, but occupying it fully. Um, Making it, uh, think, making him think of him, that making Bhagavan think of Arunachala as something supremely great. This was all the work of Arunachala. As Bhagavan says in verse uh, one of Arunachala Ashtakam, what he says in Arunachala Ashtakam, verse one is, he begins by saying, Aruvaru Giriyena uh, Amadaram. That literally means, it stands calmly as a hill bereft of awareness. Obviously, Arunachi is not bereft of awareness, as I think uh, Appa Swami sang of Arunachala, Jnana Tiralai Nindra Peruman. This Arunachala hill is standing as a vast pile, a vast heap of jnana, 
of, of pure awareness. Uh, but when so when Bhagavan says Arivarugiriena Amadaram, he obviously doesn't mean that it's actually devoid of awareness, but it is seemingly devoid of awareness. So when we see the hill, it seems to be just a, a hill of insentient rock. It doesn't seem to be a, a hill of awareness. But the, he then goes on to say in the next sentence, Amma. Amma is there. Amma can mean mother, but here it's an expression of wonder. Ah, Adi Sayan Eden Sayal Ari Bari Darkum. Ah, its action is Adi um, it's preeminent or wonderful. Ari do, Ari. Ari Aridu Arkham, difficult for anyone to understand. Uh, so the, the, the action he's referring to here, action, um, sale means doing or, or, uh, or, or action. So the action of he's referring to here is the action of Arunachala's grace. Um, and then he goes on to describe how that grace worked in his case. Ari uh, Varu Siru Vayadu. Uh, Arivaru means without awareness or with, without, it implies without knowing any other thing. Uh, Siru Vayadu means from my very young age, uh, Adumudal. So from my very young age, when I was bereft of knowledge, that is when I didn't know anything else, um, Arunachalam Meha Peridu in Arivinilanga. Uh, are naturally shown in my mind or in my awareness as something exceedingly great. So even before I knew anything else, this is Bhagavan saying, even before I knew anything else, are naturally shown in my mind as something supremely great. So that thought in out of Arunachala was in Bhagavan's mind even before he knew any other thing, is what he says here. That is that is something truly remarkable. So he didn't even know but at that time that Arunachal was a hill. All he knew is Arunachal is the greatest of the great. It's something exceedingly great. Mika um, Peridu. Um, uh, and then he goes on to say in the same sentence, Ari Hilan Adam Porul Adu Tiruvanamalai Enna Oru Varal Arivurum Arivura Petrum. That means even after coming to know from someone that it is Tiruvanamalai, I did not know it's Porul. Porul is another very significant word Bhagavan often uses. Porul means substance, reality, truth, import, meaning, or significance. All he knew about Arunacha is something great. Even when he came to know that it is actually a place on earth, but actually there's a mountain in Tiruvannamalai called uh, Arunachala, even then he didn't fully understand it. And then he goes on to say, Arivine Marul Urutu Aruhil Eka. When it enchanted my mind, and drew me near um, uh, Aruhu Urum Amayam Idu Achilam Arkandain. At the opportune time of coming near, I saw it to be Achilam. Uh, 
Achillam has a double meaning. Achillam means both um, uh, a hill, but the primary meaning of Achillam is Achilla. Chala means movement. Achilla means motionless. So Achilla has a double meaning. It means both the primary meaning is motionless. The secondary meaning is a hill because a hill obviously stands motionless. So the significance of the form of Arunachala is that it is it 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 is a an outward embodiment of that inward stillness that is our own real nature, that inward motionlessness that is our own real nature. Um, so uh, coming back to, to this, so. Even before Bhagavan knew anything else, Arunacha was shining in his mind uh, as, as something supremely great. Um, so for Bhagavan, there's no greater wonder than the grace of Arunachala and the way it works from within our heart to draw our mind inwards and thereby to save us by devouring us entirely. That is why Bhagavan sings so much about grace in uh, in all the hymns of uh, of uh, Arunachal Stujpanchikam, particularly in Arunachalamalai. So since he had, in this way, since he had experienced the Aral Sail, the, the working of Arunachal's grace, um, uh, which had taken complete possession of him, entering and occupying his mind in this way by filling it with the thought of him, and thereby, as he describes in verse 10 of Arunachala um, Patikam, which I discussed earlier when I was talking about one of the earlier verses, uh, what he says in that verse is, but it will, well, I'm now referring to this, to, that is, I'm now talking about Bhagavan's experience, but as he describes in that verse, so first Arunachala entered his heart uh, in the form of the thought of him. And, uh, Thereby, he uh, he stopped the, uh, the his the sheste of his mind. That means its outward going activity, its movement or its mischievous act. Uh, uh, sheste in Tamil implies also um, mischievousness, but it, the, the implied meaning is that uh, the outward going movement or activity of the mind, um, and pulling that mind inwards to be. Tanadu Abhimukham, facing towards himself. So Arunacha uh, first gives us the thought of him. Thereby he, he, he stops the outward going flow of our mind and he pulls our mind inwards to, uh, to face himself alone. Because he is that which is shining in our heart as I. So turning within to face ourselves, to face our real nature, is facing Arunachala. And thereby he makes us achalam, he makes us motionless. Because when we turn within, ego thereby subsides and we remain in our natural state of just being, which is uh, the state of achalatvam, of, of motionlessness. Uh, uh, yeah, and he says in that verse, tampo, like himself, motionless like himself. And then he ends by saying, uh, but uh, he devours that uh, uh, that but that uh, or he he takes that uh, soul as bali. Bali means food that is offered in sacrifice. 
He takes that sweet soul. So he implied that by this process of pulling our mind inwards, he ripens us, makes us mature, so that we become fully ripe, fully pakpa, fully ready to be consumed by him. And then he will consume us as a sacrificial offering. So this is what this was Bhagavan. When Bhagavan says this, he's talking from his own experience. This is what actually happened to him. And that's why he ends that verse nine of Arunacha Patikam um, by saying, O to min kal, O souls, be saved by thinking of this uh, uh, Ulum Adil O souls, be saved by thinking of the great Aruna Hill, the killer of the soul, who shines in the heart. He, how does he shine in the heart? He shines in the heart of that fundamental awareness I am. So by thinking of him, by turning our attention back within to, to become Tanadu Abhimukham, facing him alone, he thereby kills us. So that is the way to be so saved. Um, <clears throat> so this was Bhagavan, when Bhagavan says all this, he's talking from his own experience. Um, uh, so because Bhagavan had experienced Arunacha's grace so intimately, he, in this sixth verse of Arunacha Aksharamlai, he refers to his grace as Idu. Idu means this. Adu means that. But he doesn't refer to grace, his, the grace of Arunacha as that, as if it's something far away, as Idu, because he, he had such an intimate experience of the grace of Arunachala. In fact, he had become one with the grace of Arunachala because the grace of Arunachala had swallowed him entirely. So only the grace remained. So he refers to the grace of Arunachala as Idu. And in the, that's in the final in the final clause, in the main clause of the sentence. Idu o unadarul arunachala. As I said, this final clause has two meanings. One meaning, which is the meaning that Murugana takes as the main meaning, is um, uh, idu o unadarul. There, o is an expression of um, of uh, of wonder. Uh, ah, such is your grace. It implies this o is your grace. Um, <clears throat> that's one meaning. The, uh, but as I say, Idubo has two meanings. Uh, it can be it can be interpreted in two ways because Idu means this, but the the sound is just a glide. It's for euphonic purposes because it's, if you say Idubo, it's it flows more smoothly off the tongue. If you say Idubo. So that's uh, this is according to the Tamil rules of Sunday. Um, you know, Sunday is the euphonic conjunction of, of words and syllables. So, um, so we can we can uh, um, so and oh, so to join idu and o oh, you have idu vo. O can be taken in two senses. O is both an interrogative suffix. So iduvo means is this. Idu means this. Iduvo means implies is this. Um, it also it it can it's also used uh, eo can also be a um an interjection, like like exactly like o or r in English. Um 
and in which case in this case it uh, it expresses wonder um so the the meaning immediately suggested by idubo when we first hear it it naturally sounds like a question so that's the immediate uh, meaning that comes to mind when we hear it so uh when it's interpreted in this sense of is this idubo unadaro uh, means is this your grace is this your arrow your your kindness um when it's interpreted in this interrogative sense therefore in this verse bhagavan is rebuking arunachala implying when your love is so much greater than a mother's that that is we have to read this along with the previous two verses uh when your love is so much greater than a mother if you do not now finish the task you began eradicating this ego and thereby taking complete charge of me as your own and if instead you leave me to languish in this half baked condition or worse still if you reject or abandon me altogether is this your grace that the implication there when he asked the question idubo nadar is this your grace does your unequaled and unsurpassed grace amount to no more than this <clears throat> of course arnatch will never reject or abandon us having made us think of him he will certainly save us um <coughs> in spite of all our defects and shortcomings but how quickly and painlessly he does so depends on the extent to which we cooperate with him by surrendering ourselves to him so the more uh, clearly we are aware of the inadequacy of our love and surrender the more we will fear the consequences of our failure to surrender ourselves wholeheartedly to him by clinging firmly to self attentiveness thereby not re- rising to obstruct the work of his grace that is so long as we allow our attention to go outwards we are rising his ego and obstructing the work of his grace when we cling to self attentiveness we are thereby subsiding and allowing his grace to do its work unhindered so the, the, that's why bhagavan said the best way to surrender the only way to surrender ourselves completely is to turn our attention within and cling so firmly to self attentiveness but we give no room to the rising of any other thought as he says in the 13th paragraph of nana so it but we any any serious spiritual aspirant will be very um very painfully aware of how inadequate our love is that is though we know from bhagavan the only thing we need to attend to is ourself we all we need to do is to be self attentive nothing else is required bhagavan hasn't asked us to do anything except to hold on to self attentiveness but we don't even have enough love to do this yes we may try now and then we try to hold on to self attentiveness but most of the day our attention is flowing out we are thinking a thousand and one unnecessary thoughts not a thousand and one a million and one unnecessary thoughts every day in self clinging to self attentiveness so our love for him is so inadequate since he does everything but he will never force his grace on us so we have to cooperate we have to yield ourselves to him but when our love for him is so inadequate we fear to lose him 
And it is this fear of our own inadequacies that prompts us to implore him not to reject or abandon us, as Bhagavan is imploring in verses 4, 5, and 6. As we, we see, we saw uh, four and five, uh, we talked about last month, and the two meetings last month, and six this verse. In all these verses, Bhagavan is imploring Arunachala, either explicitly or by uh, implication in the context, not to abandon him. Um, so uh, this, this, this attitude of asking God not to abandon him us, is not because there's any real danger that God will abandon us, but, but we, the, re, the danger is us not surrendering ourselves to him. So uh, by pleading with him not to abandon us, that's a way of telling him, how much we recognize our complete dependence on him because we don't have enough love to surrender to him. How can we surrender to him? Only by his grace. As Monica Vasca said, only by his grace can we surrender ourselves to him. Um, can we surrender to his feet? Um, so, uh, so though in these verses, Bhagavan seems to be chiding Arunachala as if Arunachala would ever be guilty of forsaking anyone whom he had decided to save by making them think of him, he is taking the liberty of doing so just as a lover may chide her beloved, begging him never to reject or abandon her. Because the love for him that he has aroused in her heart gives her the right to take such liberties with her with him. That is, in her heart of hearts, she knows that he will never forsake her. But knowing how unworthy she is of his love, in her desperate longing to become worthy of it and to reciprocate it as well as she can, she pleads with him never to forsake her. Uh, rebuking him in this manner is therefore her way of clinging to him and telling him that, in spite of her unworthiness and the inadequacy of her love for him, she nevertheless recognizes how much she needs and depends entirely upon his grace and support. That is, the more we, we try to follow the path that Bhagavan uh, teaches us, and the more we recognize how inadequate our love is, to how, um, how, how, deficient is our love to be self-attentive, the more we depend on his grace. The more we depend on his grace, the more his grace will, rouse, will, will, will nurture that love in our heart. So this, this, this seemingly it's a double process, but actually it's one process of the process of, of vichara, and saranagati, samapanam, apma vichara, apma samapanam, self-investigation, self-surrender. Ultimately, these are one and the same, but in, in practice, they often seem to be two, uh, two practices that are complementing each other, but actually they're one and the same practice. But the more we, we recognize the need for his grace, the more we will surrender ourselves to him. The more we surrender ourselves to him, the more he will be able to draw our attention back within. So the self-attentiveness will grow to the extent we are willing to let go of everything else, to the extent to which we're willing to surrender. So this, this love, this longing for his grace is an essential part of the practice of self-investigation. 
What is the best way to pray for that grace is to turn our attention back within. But when our attention comes outwards, we again resort to praying in words by pleading with him to give us the love to turn within more and more and more. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Murugana takes idu o unadaro uh, uh, to be the main meaning. That is, ah, such indeed is your is your grace. That's the Murugana takes that to be the principal meaning uh, of this uh, final clause. Um, uh, and idu vo unadaro is this your grace as a question, a rebuking. Uh, um, he takes that to be the secondary meaning. Uh, however, in this case, I have followed Sadhuam in taking the latter to be the primary meaning and the former to be the secondary meaning. Both meanings are, of course, equally valid, and each is suited to a particular perspective and Baba. Baba means a devotional attitude. Iduo unadaro Ah, such is your grace, expresses the same barba of wonder, and jo wonder, joy, and gratitude that Bhagavan expressed in verse 3, in which he said, Arunachala, entering my mind or home or heart, forcibly carrying me away or dragging me out or attracting me to yourself, Keeping me captive in the cave of your heart is what a wonder. I mean, is what a wonder of your grace. Um, what a wonder of your grace is not there, but it's implied by what. Um, so this meaning is particularly suitable from the perspective of Bhagavan's experience of the grace of Arunachala. It is also suitable for any of us who feel wonder and joy, as we all do sometimes, uh, thinking about how his grace has been working in our own life, even though we've not yet surrendered ourselves to him entirely, and consequently he's not yet taken complete charge and possession of us, still, when we think of how he's drawn us to his path and how his grace has been guiding us throughout all our life, we can't but help him wonder at his grace. So that is the, the meaning of, uh, that is the barber of the, uh, of this meaning, idu o unadaro, is ah, such is your grace. Um, so, as I say, that's a meaning preferred by Murugana, the, the meaning that Murugana takes as the main meaning. The other meaning is what Sadhuam takes to be the main meaning. That is, idu uh, vo unadaro, is this your grace? That is, you know, asking in a rebuking way, that expresses the same barber of outwardly chiding but inwardly pleading uh, that Bhagavan expressed in the previous two verses, namely verse 4, in which he sang, Arukavene Andane. Arunachala, for whose sake did you take charge of me? Ahatridil, uh, if you reject or abandon or, uh, or, or banish me, Akilam uh, Baritidam, the whole world will will blame or ridicule or revile you. Um, uh, so he rebukes, that's rebuking Arunachala. And likewise in verse 5, Ipparitapu, escape this blame. That is the whole world would blame me if you abandon me. So escape this blame by not abandoning me is the implication. Ipparitapu, escape this blame. 
Why did you make me think of you? If you had, if you only intended to abandon me, why did you make me think of you in the first place? The very fact that you made me think of you implies that you have decided to save me. So don't abandon me now. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, now or henceforth, who can leave? Implying who can leave the other? I can't leave you. You can't leave me. You can't leave me because you're my own self and you, your nature, your, your very nature is grace. So you can never abandon me. And I can't, even if I want to run away from you, I can't escape from you. So I can't leave you. You can't leave me. Um, so that is the, in verses four and five, that prayerful attitude is there. He's a prayerful and rebuking attitude. He's rebuking Aranatya, but obviously with prayerful intent. So as a continuation of those previous two verses, taking the meaning is, is this your grace, is appropriate. Um, so Saduam uh, took this to be the main meaning, both because as a general rule, Whenever there is a choice of more than one interpretation of any verse, Saduam always preferred to take any of the more prayerful meanings as the primary one. And more specifically, because in the case of this verse, this prayerful interpretation provides a, a natural continuity with the prayer for Baba, not only of the previous two verses, but also of the next six verses. There are all these um, nine verses from, um, from four up to 12 are all in a prayer for Baba, if we take this one in a prayerful sense. Um, uh, of the next six verses, the first two, namely verses seven and eight, are explicit prayers, and the other four are implicit prayers in the, expressed in the form of chiding. So Bhagavan is often chiding Arunachala as a lover may chide her beloved whenever she feels he is not taking sufficient care of her and protecting her from others. Why Bhagavan feels Arunachala is not taking protecting from others? That Bhagavan, of course, is putting himself in our shoes. We, who are the others? That is in a, in in one of the uh, one of the subsequent verses, one of the verses soon to come. He says in verse ten, Bhagavan says, "Ainindurakum, why this sleep? Ene pira iruka, when others are dragging me. When I, that is if if." Um, if uh, thieves enter or, or kidnappers enter the bedchamber of a husband and wife and take away the drag away the wife, if a husband is just sleeping there happily unmindful, is that appropriate? But Arunacha is not such a husband. Arunacha is the ever awake um, Lord, shining in our hearts. So how does he tolerate others dragging us away? I mean, Bhagavan asked, is this beauty for you? That is, it. does it become you to sleep, to, to pretend to be sleeping when others are dragging me? So who are those others? He says in the next verse, verse 11, I'm Bulakalva, the thieves in the form of the five senses. That it, uh, what he refers to here is the thieves in the, the five sense thieves. Actually, it means Abhishek Because it's not, the senses are jada, 
the the senses are are in, they, they they the senses are insentient. They have they. It, it's not the senses is the problem. It's our inclination to go out through the senses to experience the sense objects. But so our bhasanas are the others who are dragging us. Um, so uh, Bhagavan says. I'm Bulakalva, Ahatilni Puhumbo, Dahatilni Ileo Aranachala. When the thieves, uh, the, the five sense thieves enter the heart, are you not in the heart? So, what are you doing pretending to sleep and allowing these vasanas to drag me here and there? You, you take hold of me, you sit firmly on my mind, as he says in verse, uh, verse 7 Urudi uh, Ayirupai. So that it, the mind doesn't run outwards, cheating you, sit firmly upon it. So rather than sleeping in our heart, pretending as if he doesn't bother about this, as if he's not aware of what's happening, of course, Aranatya knows everything. So he should sit firmly on our mind. So this is the, the, the prayerful spirit in which Bhagavan is 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 singing these verses. He's rebuking Arunachala, but obviously with prayerful intent. So, because of the prayerful uh, barber of these verses, taking this verse also as prayerful is fitting, because the previous two verses and the next six verses are all sung in a prayerful barber, the prayerful and rebuking barber. Um. <clears throat> Uh, but so why why is it that Murugana prefers one meaning, Sadhuam prefers another meaning? Uh, obviously, both meanings are equally appropriate, but there's a reason why Murugana often will interpret verses as as wondering about Bhagavan, uh, the grace of our nature, whereas Sadhuam will interpret them as prayers. That is, though Murugana himself has composed many beautiful verses of prayer, in the vast majority of his verses, he is primarily praising Bhagavan, expressing wonder and joy at his grace, and the way in which he had saved him from the clutches of ego. So it was natural for Murugana to take the primary meaning of this and other verses to be any meaning that expressed wonder and joy at the grace of Arunachala. And on the other hand, most of the songs and verses composed by Sadhu Om are heart-melting prayers for the grace of Bhagavan. Though in many of his verses, he also expresses his wonder and joy at his grace. Primarily, most of his verses are prayers. So it was natural for Sadhuam to take the primary meaning of this and other verses to be any meaning but either directly or indirectly expressed a prayer. So, the, the I mean, both Murugan and Sadhuam both give both meaning, but which meaning they give prominence to, it, uh, it's according to their own particular barber. So that's why it's it's useful. It's very it's very beneficial to 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 read to read Murugan's commentary and Sadhuam's commentary because each each they're both essentially saying the same thing, but they're each viewing it from slightly different angles. But they're viewing it from all angles. They they bring in all the different meanings, but they uh, uh, highlight certain different aspects of it. So the the 
commentaries of, uh, of Murugan and Saduom are uh, complementary in this regard. Um, <clears throat> so, we, as I say, this verse we can take either as Bhagavan wondering at the grace of Arunachala. Um, uh, Arunachala, you who bestow arrow greater than that given by uh, one's own birth mother, ah, such is your grace. That is uh, one meaning. The other more prayerful meaning is, Arunachala, you who bestow uh, uh, arrow that is greater than that given by the mother who gave birth, is this your grace? Is this, is this all your grace? If you, if you, uh, if you, um, if you uh, abandon me, if you don't take me fully as your own, if you neglect me, if you sleep while these uh, vasanas are dragging me hither and thither, if you don't sit firmly upon my mind, is this your grace? So both meanings are. Uh, but, well, but the meanings are complementary. They, 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 we, depending on our particular barber at any moment, we can take either meaning to be the appropriate meaning for us at that, in that particular barber. So this is the beauty of Akshram Lai. Bhagavan has, has packed so much meaning and so many, so much choice of meaning in these verses. Some, some verses we can find up to five or six different types of meaning and of course within those types of meaning there are variations so there's so much room for interpretation Bhagavan has given us but of course the central message of Akshram Lai is the same throughout it so the, the, the whole song is a song praying for grace and grace alone but we can view it from so many different beautiful angles so this is the beauty of Akshram Lai and the, the depth of love but Bhagavan expresses whether we take whether we take this to mean uh, is this your love or such is your love both uh, uh, equally Bhagavan is expressing uh, his love for Arunachala and Arunachala's love for us. Uh, Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. <laughs>